Welcome to this episode of Christ I, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ I. Father, we thank you and praise you that you are God, that there is no other God besides you. You are the mighty God, almighty King, creator of all that is, that all that all is to come, and that all that will be. Father, there is no other God before you. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and our God. Father, we come before you and humble ourselves. We ask you to forgive us our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and create in us a clean heart that we may come before you now. Open our eyes that we may see wondrous things from your law today. Open our ears that we may hear and obey your word. Open our hearts that we may love you with all our strength and all our soul. Love our neighbors as ourselves. And open our mind to have the mind of Christ that we may think right thoughts about you, right thoughts about ourselves, and write thoughts about others around us. Father, we know that you loved us even while we were yet sinners. You sent your Son to die on the cross for us, to pay for the sins of the world, the whole world. And Father, we know that all we need to do is acknowledge that gift. So Father, if there's anyone here that listening that has not humbled themselves, before you and simply said Lord I am a sinner helpless and hopeless thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for me that all my debt is paid before you and father teach me now to learn to live and love you as you have loved me and help me to love others as you love them, and to see others as you see them. Father, it is not the persons that you hate, it is the sin. So, Father, we are all blind. We are all deaf. We are all mute before you. And unless you open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our mouths will be shut. And we will not be able to proclaim your goodness and your greatness among the people who live here on this earth. Father, help us now. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your multitude of tender mercies and your great loving kindness. Thank you that you are God. And that you think of us and keep us in your perfect will. Now, Father, as we listen Be with us. Take me out of the way, and may it be Christ and not I that is speaking. I want to start this episode by reading a psalm, Psalm 46, from the New Living Translation. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come, and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. 
Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos, and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders, and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bows and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Thanks be to God. What joy is set before you today? In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, reading from the Christian Standard Bible, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run and endure, run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he encountered the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that lay before Jesus? I would like to submit to you that the joy that was before Jesus is the joy of obeying His Father's will. And surely this is not a selfish joy for a reward, not a joy motivated by selfish indulgence in one's own accomplishment. Jesus taught meekness and humility, not pride and grandeur or self-approbation. Jesus, the Messiah, washed the disciples' feet and told them that they were to do the same. In John 13, 12 through 15, reading from the Christian Standard Bible, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Wow. Really, Jesus? How come we're not out washing each other's feet? Where is the institutes for feet washing or the foot washing seminary? Because we are told by Jesus that we should do the same. In verse 15, Jesus says, plain and clear, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Jesus says this. 
He had a towel girded about him and a jar of foot water in his hand. The context couldn't be any clearer to me. We don't get it. Just like the disciples sitting there in front of him didn't get it. Or maybe we don't want to get it. After all, the implications of what he has just taught and done would require us to stoop too low. How low are we willing to go? Not that low. You know why? I think it's because, and for me anyways, it's because I'm focused on the reward for myself and not the reward of glory for our Father. That's why. My joy is skewed and tainted by our sin nature. The joy that was set before Jesus is joy that gives glory and honor to his Father, the Almighty God. What would give to God more glory than complete, strict, and raw obedience? That reminds me of a verse in 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the whole earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. Hmm. You know, in verse 1, that was the glory witnessed, or maybe better said, testified by the so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us mentioned in verse 1. Those saints mentioned there are not sitting around witnessing our miserable little attempts at pleasing the majesty on high. They are the witnesses who are testifying to the glory of God's majesty and honor. They have finished their races and are now a witness to the angelic and the human cosmos that God is. Their lives here on earth gave witness to God's faithfulness, justice, and righteousness in sending His only begotten Son for the propitiation of the sins of the world, the whole world. Those who deny God's gift are missing out on the opportunity to participate in His perfect plan for all to joy in the here and now and joy in eternity. You know, we are either living in joy now or we are living in misery. Missing out on all that God has prepared for us to glorify Him in. This joy must be pure. An undefiled joy. Otherwise, Jesus would not have endured for anything less. Why would he? He is the son of the most high and mighty God. But I think it is when we lay wrong joy, the wrong joy before us, we will miss the joy that Jesus has. See, our joy comes from getting our pleasures and our needs met, not in doing the Father's will. I want to take you to John chapter 11. It reminds me, there's a, when he raises Lazarus, I want you to listen to this. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet 
and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. (laughs) But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going back there again? And Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. But the disciples said to him, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let us go see him. So Jesus has told them plainly that Lazarus is dead. And they're probably, look, I imagine they're shaking their head wondering, what the heck is going on here? So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go too and we die with Jesus. And when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she sent to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. And I remember Martha was the one that was washing the dishes and complaining that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Well, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise even when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come to the world for God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. I want to know where is the joy, Martha, that Jesus is here? (laughs) Where is the joy? You seem distraught that Jesus wasn't there to save Lazarus. My God, if you had only been there, Jesus, he wouldn't have died and you could have done something. Martha, do you know who you're talking to? I think then Jesus' heart sank. 
Verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. She repeated the same thing Martha said. Where's the joy, Mary? Here I am among you. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her and deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. I think here Jesus' human side is seeing just despondent that they don't get it. Where's the joy? They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus wept. I don't think Jesus was crying because Lazarus was dead. Nor was he crying because he's missed him or some silly human thing like that. He's crying because these people don't get it. Because it says in in the next verse, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. Remember, this is righteous anger. He's angry at the blindness of the people. The fact that they don't get it. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Oh, boy. And Jesus responds, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to the heaven and said, Father, Thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told him, Unwrap him and let him go. You see, I think that there, right there, was a whole example, and there are many others, but this is an example where Jesus is upset. He's disappointed. He's wondering where is the joy? that don't tug your heart I don't know what will so where is the joy Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him
When we lay the wrong joy before us, we will miss the joy that Jesus has. We all will live in eternity. But what we do with God now will determine our eternal state and where we will spend our eternity. Jesus says in John 14, 1-7, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. For now, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. What is the joy set before you in today to endure your cross, your suffering, your pain, your humiliations, your sorrows, your whatever. We see here that whatever your joy is at present will determine the fullness of life that you live in the here and now and in the place prepared for you in eternity. I love the old acronym J-O-Y is joy Jesus on you. It's a pure and undefiled joy when Jesus is on you. The joy that brings honor and glory to God Almighty when Jesus is on you. The Almighty, the great I am, that's where joy is in bringing glory and honor to Him. True joy, pure joy. Jesus said, My Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I also love you. Remain in my love. If you, commit, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That's in John 15, 8 through 11 from the Christian Standard Bible. Don't let anyone or anything steal your joy, the joy that Jesus has for you. Own it. It's yours to receive. All you need to do is ask of your Heavenly Father. goes on to say in Hebrews 12, 3-11, For consider Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have, for and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. 
For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are an illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit our even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what we seemed good to them. But He, God, does it for our benefit so that we can share His holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weaken knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. Let us encourage one another to joy in Jesus. May this be true of our lives from this day forth. In Jesus' name, amen.